Welcome back to Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor customer divide. Today, we're talking sales shenanigans, some cyber news, and Black Hat. All right. I'm George K on the vendor side. And I'm George A, Chief Information Security Officer. Totally almost forgot to say that part. <laughs> All right. So, a few sales shenanigans. Uh, George, I continue to get LinkedIn requests and in-mails about services that can help me as a founder and entrepreneur. And uh, sometimes I reply like, I say, yo, I'm not your ICP. I founded a podcast. So I don't need lead gen. I don't need agency services. I don't need whatever. Um, that's just a minor gripe. It was a really quiet week, but that's just the thing is like, if you just read slightly beyond the founder title, instead of scraping LinkedIn, you would see that I am a total waste of your time. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I get the same thing and, uh, especially around the pod where it's just like, Hey, like we don't need SEO support. We don't actually sell anything. And, uh, <laughs> right. I, I feel like talking to you would be more frustrating than not frustrating. And I just, I feel bad because I opened up the message realistically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like I'm asking, I don't think you've got to go super deep. It's literally like, what did he found? Oh, he founded a podcast that he has declared is just a passion project. Cool. All right, let's go. Um, but let's, let's move on. Uh, Cyber world. You had a lot. You want to talk about i think the most obvious one is we should talk about the possible uh twitter killer yeah if i'm like you know it, it's interesting because meta and this whole weird beef between zuck and elon they've uh planned to put out this product called threads it's not publicly available yet but there's multiple reports from both media and security researchers alike saying that it looks like a privacy nightmare you know, info provided yeah. about wait, wait, the, wait, the wait, 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 yeah. wait, 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 sorry, before you go on, it did, it did launch. So you know, it, correct did launch. That. it launched, yeah, it was like 23 million signups in the first day oh, it was Jesus. insane. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, but it is a privacy nightmare. It is a 100% privacy I nightmare. I definitely like, Hey listeners, I prepped for this episode a couple of days ago. So just, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, thanks for the episode. See, so life is busy. However, that said, you know, again, they, they tried to change up the logic um, mm -hmm. you know, and they tried to say that this is like, uh, the claim of, uh, legitimate interest for the, uh, data for ads processing, but the EU obviously with GDPR just piled on more troubles for meta. Uh, you know, there's a German case that's referred to the court that, uh, said the legal basis for this is not appropriate for running meta's behavioral ads either consent mm -hmm. needs to be sought. And, you know, meta is not exactly the greatest about consent <laughs> as Cambridge Analytica yeah. would remind us. You know, so it appears as though the GDPR issue is going to be very a very real thorn in Meta's side for quite some time. The more Zuckerberg pursues his Twitter competitor with, with absolutely such lax um, data privacy protections. And, and I feel like, you know, with how the metaverse is kind of washed out a little bit, this is uh, 0-2 for him in the last year, man. Like, yeah, it's getting I mean, bad. on the on yeah, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, congratulations. 23 million signups because people are tired of the toxic cesspool that is Twitter and, you know, piggyback on the moat that you have in Instagram. I thought it was funny. A lot of people were posting how upset they were that they had to create an Instagram account just to use threads. And I was like, y'all, 
they couldn't even roll it out in the EU for the most obvious <laughs> reasons. Like they got to scrape all the data. <laughs> like, well, that's and that's the thing that trips me out, man. Because I'm just like, okay, so we're we're just we're just gonna make this up as we go. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so you know, if your privacy gets compromised, don't worry about it, guys. It's for the it's it's for the fun of the experience, you know. So I, again, I think. I think this presents a big issue and like with all the AI stuff, like people just get excited about new tech. Like I'm seeing elected officials being like, this is my handle on threads. And I'm like, dude, you're an elected official. Like just fuck yeah. these advice people. <laughs> this is uh this is the billionaire boys sandbox, and we're all just guests in it, right? Because our choices have essentially come down to should I go with the place that's now a racist toxic cesspool and thinks that cis is a slur or should i go over here to the happy kind place that's literally what zuck said he's like it's going to be a very kind place to hang out should i go to the kind place that just like mines all of my personal (laughs) data (laughs) so those are the two choices we live in yeah i mean i don't know what are your what are your thoughts kind of on uh the whole thing from a marketing standpoint is this gonna be cast yeah, I mean, sort of brilliant to piggyback off of Instagram success. You sort of got a built-in user base. I think that's why people were hesitant to say that, you know, Google search business was going to be destroyed by uh, Bing chat because, you know, if as soon as Google catches up, their install base is just huge, not just for search, but for things like Google Docs and stuff like that, right? They got 3 billion users using that. So, you know, don't don't feel sorry for Google. I think same thing here. But I would say you know, in the, the business school, uh, sense, I don't know how it could have gotten worse for Twitter because, you know, there has not been a serious competitor to Twitter for a decade. And then, you know, in less than a year, you know, new owner kind of tanks it into a place where it's not safe for anyone to advertise. It's not even really safe for most people. And, um, and there goes the revenue. And then here comes the competitor just right on your heels. So agreed. But anyways, enough about meta. Um, you got something else? Um, I don't know. I mean, in terms of cyber world, we got a lot of supply chain stuff and we got a lot of uh, critical infrastructure. But let's I'll touch on supply chain first. And I know you got something to say. You know, I, I posted a, a while back about that organization called pilots credentials and they were storing basically the application and recruiting data for huge airlines like American airlines and Southwest here in the States. And when they got breached, you know, the, they had to inform everyone, including their customers and basically Southwest and American determined it was more cost efficient and better for their business to just take all of that information in-house, build and maintain their own application portals. And I mean, I, I don't know how that company survives because like, if you think that the world's largest airline doesn't think that it's safe to hold their data with you, I don't know how any of their competitors are going to think, oh yeah, it's totally cheaper and more cost effective to, to outsource to them. Right. And that's like a very niche thing. And so I had posted, like, if you're going to do business with critical infrastructure, you really got to have security dialed because I mean, you are, you are the supply chain. You are the, the, I can get to pilots. I can get to passports. I can get to ID everything, you know, by getting after you. So, but I know you got some supply chain stuff too. Yeah, that's that's a kind of a big thing. Um, you know, we got two big ones this week, and one's digital, one's actually like an OT one. 
Um, so the the digital one, uh, you know, move it and networks, which similar to like a log4j type thing where it's like mm. a deep infrastructure type tool or utility and, you know, millions of customers worldwide, hundreds of organizations, and it, uh, it gets compromised. You know, in the case of movement, it was ransomware plus exfiltration of data, you know, impacting over 130 organizations. Netricks, you know, it's, it's a true bot malware meant to attain presence in the environment and run extensive per, uh, remote leverage execution. You know, both are impacting so many customers across different uh, sectors and jurisdiction. You really, you know, not the SEC is paying attention. You really have to wonder if there's going to be enforcement accountability for this. And, you know, how did they miss uh, the supply chain risk? Uh, I just, I'd be really interested to see a non-public disclosure report. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's ever going to come out. Yeah, I got two things. So the first is, it's not just software, it's hardware, right? Like we saw Barracuda uh, email gateway, like the hardware, the box itself um, was so compromised that Barracuda tried to patch it and then they were just like, rip it out and replace it with a new box. And and now uh, Fortinet also, the firewall has cascading vulnerabilities keep coming out. So we have that stuff, but then we also have just the ubiquity of it. You know, I would have put money on the fact that like who could have named move its customers before it was sort of like publicly disclosed vulnerability. And the clop ransomware group is like, we got you numbered, right? Like who, how many people knew how many customers were using that particular software? But again, though, it's like solar winds. How many people knew how many people yeah, were using solar winds? For sure. Right? For like sure at the end sure. of the day, organizations have to be responsible for their own supply chain risk for whatever they implement. So if you look at something, it's just like, oh, they're too big to be an issue. No one ever gets fired for hiring IBM or whatever. That, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. that's changing, man. Like if you, if you fuck around, you're going to find out now, man. Like if it's not your job immediately, the regulators are going to start coming after you. And I think the seriousness of working in this space is going to pick up real big in the next months and years to come. So let me ask you, as the CISO in the room, when you're doing your vendor evaluations, you know, is there a deeper source? I mean, there's a lot going on, right? There's trillions of lines of code. It's hard to spot all the CVEs. Patching's always been a problem. But is this also the case? Like maybe we're we're feeling the pain of kind of you know check the box security evaluations or something like that like how how is it all something? yeah and i think what it comes down to is uh risk acceptance right so mm -hmm. when folks are under the gun to solve a problem or implement a thing like a lot of risks end up getting accepted just to move the ball forward especially if there's like a short window where like hey we actually have budget for this let's get this done mm -hmm. you know and those are the types of things that i think in the moment you know you're like oh this is great progress and we'll figure it out but a lot of the time once you get something installed and the project's done people are moving on to the next thing and you kind of forget about mm. it, right? That's how you end up getting software that people buy and it just stays on the shelf, unintegrated, unused. It's the same kind of logic, same problem. So I think we as, as you know, practitioners, as organizations, we need to take the time to do these kind of detailed assessments. We need to look at how we're doing our processes. You know, I think the days of just fly by night, uh, GRC, uh, it's, it's, it's over. We can't do it. Yeah. The technology is too great. Uh, the ability it's to too attack complex. is too easy. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how it's going to change, but I think enough enough cases like the the Joe Sullivan's of the world are going to happen. 
And you're going to get enough cybersecurity folks finally make it on the boards of directors and ownership boards, mm. giving that advice at that leadership level. I think that's what's going to kind of trigger the change, but we're not there yet, man. Yeah, yeah for sure. All right. Well, uh, moving on. Oh, yeah. So an OT attack that actually impacted a country's uh, like GDP level uh, <laughs> yeah, generate revenue. Sure. So, if, if, you know, short of people dying, this is like how bad uh, OT and cyber risk has become, you know. Um, like, again, uh, Japan's uh, Nagoya port, it suspended cargo operations for yeah, about 48 hours following a ransomware attack. It's the largest port in terms of cargo capacity. You know, it suspended loading and unloading following the attack. The port accounted for like 10% of Japan's total trade value, handling all of Toyota's exports and imports, as well as cargo containing foods and household appliances. So the Port, port Authority reportedly, you know, received a ransom demand printed on one of its office printers. Um, no. It seems as though the Russia-based Lockbit 3.0 ransomware gang um, appears to be responsible for the attack. Um, you know, the the outage, um, I need to check up on it again if it's still out, but it was out, it was out for over 48 hours. And the real damage, the, the cost of Toyota and Japan's national economy as a result of this, it's yet to be released. But I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be at least in the high millions, mm. if not billions. Yeah. I mean, that's like the shit really hits the fan, right? And if I wanted to belabor that, the rubber meets the road. Like, if they can't get the ships unloaded, that stuff doesn't make it to stores. It doesn't make it to shelves. And you're talking, yes, consumer packaged goods, whatever. But you're also talking about, like, food. Like, food cannot get off the boat. Like talk about colonial pipeline except for like you know real hierarchy of needs shit there oh yeah i'm gonna make a shameless plug july 11th danny wolf of audience first who is a friend of the pod and part of our black hat festivities uh she and i are going to be sharing a report with hacker valley media and that's going to be on July 11th. We're going to talk about what we did at RSA, where we compared what buyers told us they wanted in an extensive survey out of events. Like, why do you go to RSA? What do you seek at the booth? What are you trying to talk about? What matters to you most in the messaging versus what we saw on the booth? So that was a really large study that we did. We tried to cover uh, most of the booths, but we got a lot of good out of it. It's been pretty well received and we're excited to have a more um, extensive conversation with Chris Cochran uh, over at Hacker Valley Media about that. Now, I know you also want to talk about some cool stuff we're doing at Black Hat. We've kind of been seeing our friends post about it. So let's talk about that. If you're headed to Hacker Summer Camp at Black Hat, August 9th, 5 p.m., we, Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, will be sitting down with as George said, our friends, the Cyber Queens, it's Meryl Vernon, Erica Eakins, former guests of the show, Amber DeVilbus, also Chris Cochran and Rod Eddings of Hacker Valley Media, and the one and only Alyssa Knight of Knight Studios. Uh, and we will be at Red Wall Studio Las Vegas, and that is August 9th at 5 p.m. If you are out there, please come by you can register at cyberpodworld.com which we'll put in the show notes it's just going to be a blast i think there's a lot to learn both from the vendor side but also from the practitioner side uh george you'll be speaking about you know what do you get out of this pod as well what have you gotten out of the larger community i think it's going to be a blast 
I got to agree. And it's good to hang with our friends in person, you know, because it's a lot of virtual stuff. And I think uh, that's the part I'm looking forward to the most. And if we got listeners coming out in person too, you know, it's going to be a really good time and it's probably going to be a highlight for, uh, for Black Hat for us, uh, I think across the board. So I, I highly encourage people to come out. It's going to be a fun time and uh, we'll see what happens uh, once the, the event ends and we just uh, get time to, you know, be dinks and go around and have a good time all the time. <laughs> that's right. All right. Well, uh, I think that's it for this week. We didn't have a lot. Thankfully, we didn't have to endure a lot of nonsense. Um, and I know you're super tired, so we will we'll wrap early. Yeah, I gotta love when people are on PTO, man. All right. Well, that wraps it up for Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks this week. Stay tuned, and we hope to see you in Las Vegas. Take care, friends. <laughs>